This is Advice for Life with Lynn. Today's issues, a dummy's guide to meditation. Something similar occurs when you practice meditation in that you prepare yourself to notice when thoughts arise. Let's say emotions, like you said earlier. When you're driving and someone cuts you off, your first reaction might be to lay on the horn or, project, to, yeah. or to project mm-hmm. when obviously the most important thing to do is to stay out of danger mm-hmm. and not create more problems. Um, and also, we have famous road rage here in Miami, so mm-hmm. we don't want to exacerbate any other emotional sensitivity, mm-hmm. you know? So um, if we have a meditation practice and we notice ourselves getting mad because someone cut us off, we're, we're less likely to react. You have problems? She has answers. Getting down to the nitty-gritty with people who know what they're talking about. This is Advice for Life with Lynn. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at AdviceForLifeWithLynn.com slash Audible. I love the word free. There are over 180,000 titles to choose from. You can get them from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi, everybody. When I think of meditation, I immediately become intimidated. Meditation. And think that you have to be a barefoot shaman who sits in hours of silence, inhaling incense and natural oils to be able to quiet your mind. And let's be honest, when somebody tells you they meditated today, don't you sometimes just want to roll your eyes like, oh, here's Buddha. He meditated today. Good for him. All right, I know, I know, this is a judgment. It's just me judging me for not meditating. I own that. So I thought if I just watered down the idea of meditation for regular non-incense imperfect people, then maybe it might be possible for anybody to meditate. Like step one, two, three, bing, we're meditating. Why meditation? Beats me. I've never really been good at turning off my mind or not judging myself for not having thoughts longer than 30 seconds. And actually, that's a really long time. So let's be honest. Let's say 10. However, we all know meditation is really good for the human brain and the human spirit. We logically know that turning away from anxiety, worry, depression, self-doubt, or loneliness is a really, really, really good feeling, even if it is 10 seconds. But the question is, how do we meditate easily? Like, I want to know how to do it, like in the car, when I want to slap somebody, or like when my legs are crossed in a yoga studio. And how do we incorporate this into our daily lives? Because we want to do it, not because we feel we should do it. Today, we're going to talk to a yoga instructor and meditation guru who has not only used meditation in her practice, but recently has used it big time to help her get through one of the most emotionally challenging times of her life. Like it's helping her more than any other drug she could take. Background check. The background on today's guest. Natalie Morales owns Dharma Yoga Studio in Coconut Grove, Florida. She's a yoga instructor, obviously an owner, manager, and she's been practicing yoga for at least 35 years. She's also a wife whose husband is dealing with brain cancer. And Natalie says meditation has gotten her through some of her toughest times, helping her adjust and accept with a smile on her face. Like she's always smiling. Welcome, Natalie. Thank you, Lynn. Welcome to me. Welcome, <laughs> Welcome to you. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, universe. Okay, Thank so you. what is so great about meditation? Well, studies have shown that a regular meditation practice can help you relax, can lead to fewer outbursts, help you control your 
thoughts help you control your reactions to what's going on in your environment. These are not just uh, guesses that people make. These are things that have been measured. People who have a meditation practice are less likely to speak out of turn, perhaps. So are you saying that studies show that people who have a meditation practice, when they're not meditating and they're going through something, they're at a red light and somebody flips them off or somebody cuts in front of them or their spouse acts like a turd, that they're less likely to react because of this meditation practice they have? Yes. Let me focus on the word practice. And let me back up a little bit so that I can answer your question. I'm not trying to be evasive, but there's a, it's a loaded question. You know, When we talk about exercise for the body, it's very easy to see the results. We can see our muscles tone. We can see... Um, our waistline gets slimmer, perhaps, if that's what we want. We can see changes in our body, changes in uh, our, our health. But very few people are as apt to talk about the benefits of meditation. They're described in a somewhat hazy way. Mm-hmm. For sure. And that's what makes it intimidating. Those things that you mentioned about sitting cross-legged in a yoga studio or about uh getting thrown off when you're driving and someone cuts you off on our crazy Miami highways. If we have a meditation practice, if we kind of hone the mind in the same way that we're used to honing the body with exercise, then that practice steadily over time will make us better equipped to deal with those emotions when they arise. How is that possible? Well, When you made a comment about emptying the mind, a lot of people, that's exactly what a lot of people think meditation means. And that kind of lofty goal is precisely what makes it intimidating because people think, oh, I can't just sit still and empty my mind, can't stop thinking. When I think everyone is so used to having a cell phone these days, we're so used to multitasking, we're so used to having our attention splintered that it becomes more impossible. And ex- exactly because of this problem that we all, that many of us feel ourselves being splintered in many different directions, that's why today it's become easier to talk about meditation. Years ago, 20 years ago, people didn't see the benefit. Why do I want to sit still and empty my mind? Why do I want to breathe incense and chant om over and over again or think about my third eye or focus on my belly button. What's the reason? But now that so many of us have a smartphone, a supposedly smartphone attached to our hip or to our hand all the time, and since more of us are feeling compelled to have our attention going in many different directions, more of us have a desire to shut down. Mm. At first, remember, at first when internet came along and when they the first commercials for internet service would show let's see someone on a on a beach with a computer this is when uh, portable computers oh, were yeah. new too yeah, I remember and that. this was you know this depicted this great sense of freedom like mm-hmm. you can be at the beach you can be at a resort and still be working mm-hmm. you know in mm-hmm. quotes and that seemed like a really freeing idea whereas today now that we're all driving and at the same time attached to our phones or doing whatever it is that we're doing, shopping, being at the market, playing with our kids or our dogs or, you know, whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing and all of us are attached to our phones all the time. This kind of technology, is, it's, it's more clear that it 
it's the exact opposite of freedom. So more people, I think, are drawn to the idea of meditation because more people are naturally feeling like they want to just stop. So I think it's it's very interesting that today, because we're so technologically inclined, mm-hmm. to attached, and attached, and addicted, mm-hmm. you know, um, that more people are willing to give it a try. It doesn't seem so strange. So, but you're saying, back to what you're saying about the studies and the advantage of meditation, um, you're saying, for example, I would be less distracted and irritated by my dog's clicking nails a few seconds ago, because I'm sure you guys can hear that click, 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 click. <laughs> I'd be less like, oh my God, what are people thinking? I can't believe he's clicking around. What is Natalie saying? I would be <laughs> less distracted and less bothered by that if I was on a regular meditation practice. If you practice. How... How so? How, how is that possible? Well, there's several different kinds of meditation. There are some that are based on focusing your attention on a given object or something within your view or something that you can visualize. And there are others that are more like open monitoring where you put yourself in a position, you know, a comfortable position. Let's say you're in a sitting position and you perhaps close your eyes and you focus on the physical sensations in your body and then on your breathing and as the thoughts and emotions arise as they will because they do right because they do because that's natural that's what the mind was designed to do and as those thoughts arise you practice and that's the key word you practice acknowledging the thought as it arises and then trying to just Instead of focusing on the thought and identifying it as the sound of my dog's mm-hmm. nail clicking, it. yeah, or what is she thinking, or what mm-hmm. am I going to, how am I going to respond? Mm-hmm. And there that, I am thinking again, right, right. It, instead of judging, and that's another thing we mm-hmm. have. It's it's we'll get farther if we don't judge, if we pause, and you continue the next breath. So we focus on if we focus on the breath i think that this is one of the the easiest ways to go about it because the breath is a constant activity that's a free service of the body it's one of the sustaining activities of the body obviously we're always breathing and you've gotten this far in your life breathing as you've breathed so far so you're doing it well enough to get here so again without judging the style of breath just observing it just observing as the breath comes you know, you focus on the inhale as it's happening, you focus on the exhale as it's happening, and it sounds boring, mm-hmm. doesn't it? For sure. <laughs> You're nodding. <laughs> it sounds boring, but it gives us practice. So when, so, when you feel those, so when you feel those thoughts arise or you acknowledge that the thoughts are arising, it might be in the form of a sound, it might be in the form of a perfume or the aroma of food, it might be in the form of a thought arising. Instead of judging the thought, the sound, the sight, the smell, for what it is, you just say, oh, sound, oh, perfume, oh. You acknowledge thinking. it. You acknowledge it, but instead of going into it, because mm-hmm. once we've gone into it, then we are splintering our attention. Mm-hmm. So it's a practice, and it sounds difficult at first, but there are, there, are, there are even apps that you can get that help you through it so that you'll be reminded every day. It's good to do it at the start of the day. Because, you know, as, as the day wears on, of course, we get more and more distracted. But if I'm just going to interrupt you real please. quick. Tell me again, like, how meditation changes the brain and the way you think 
how the practice changes the, I would imagine, you tell me if I'm wrong, the chemistry or the makeup of your brain. So when you are in a situation where you're at work and your boss is yelling at you or, you know, your date stood you up or your kids are irritating. So you're not so reactive to those things. How does meditation change the way you think and behave? Well, rather than making something up, I could refer you to the experts. One in particular is an American man named John Kabat-Zinn. Do you know him? Mm-mm. Remember, I don't even know how to meditate, so yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> well, thank you for your honesty. John Kabat-Zinn um, kind of secularized a form of meditation based on vipassana meditation, mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. And he was a medical student at the University of Massachusetts, I believe, in the late 70s. And he formalized a process of meditation called mindfulness-based stress reduction. I think that's what it was. And he formalized it working with patients with different disorders. Mm -hmm. And these were studies that they did where they measured the patients as they were going through some kind of treatment. I think it was uh, patients with a skin disorder where they had to literally stand in a box where they were subjected to bright lights, terribly unnerving, completely nude. So he, he, he measured their, their galvanic skin response. He measured their brain waves, their breathing and all these other methods of determining how relaxed a person was or how agitated they might be at that moment. And they found that people who practiced this particular mindfulness based stress reduction were able to be more calm when they were getting this treatment. So since then, that was the late seventies. And since then, many other studies have been done, which show in a way that's measurable, that there are benefits to it. And as I mentioned earlier, it really is a practice in the same way Mm -hmm. that you would, well, in a similar way that you would go to the gym or do your exercise class or do Mm -hmm. your yoga class and you would tone your body so that your, so that healthy posture is easier so that you're more aware of, of the way that you're standing so that you're, you know, so that you're more comfortable, Mm -hmm. physically comfortable. Um, something similar occurs when you practice meditation in that you prepare yourself to notice when thoughts arise, let's say emotions, like you said earlier, when you're driving and someone cuts you off, your first reaction might be to lay on the horn or project, to, or yeah. to project mm-hmm. when obviously the most important thing to do is to stay out of danger mm-hmm. and not create more problems. Um, and also we have famous road rage here in Miami, so mm-hmm. we don't want to exacerbate any other emotional sensitivity, mm-hmm. you know? So um, if we have a meditation practice and we notice ourselves getting mad because someone cut us off, we're, we're less likely to react. If we have a practice, just because we meditate doesn't mean that it'll necessarily Your life is, work every time. Right, right. Perfect. You know? Yeah, because none of us is perfect, obviously. But but it's it, it's a practice. that If we engage in it, I think we are even in simple conversation, when we're having a conversation with someone at work or a stranger or someone that we know well, or um, when we hear the news that might be enraging mm-hmm. or um, depressing, when we're talking with people about these issues, sometimes it's important to maintain some modicum of self-control so that we don't alienate ourselves, so that we don't offend people if we're interested in getting along with ourselves Mm -hmm. and others. Um, 
if we have a meditation practice, I think we're more apt to listen or, mm. or we can train ourselves. Let mm-hmm. me put it that way. If we have a meditation practice, we can train ourselves to listen more carefully, mm-hmm. to um, to pause before we speak. To get out of yourself a little bit. Right. And to really be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Before we get to the one, two, three, and guys, I promise we're going to... Um um, Natalie's going to teach us take our hand and this is what you first do second do third do um, I want you to tell us if you can share with us how meditation has helped you immensely with going through brain cancer with your husband how has it because you've been doing this sounds like almost all your life mm-hmm. so you're the expert but you're human and you're cha- you're being challenged I would imagine how has it helped you well first I have to make a disclaimer to verify that I, I'm not an expert, you know, I'm only practicing. And, um, I think when that's a good yogi, by the way, everybody, well, (laughs) I think that whenever we're facing a really challenging issue, like our mortality, it's important if we are trying to help someone, like I want to be there and support my husband through the, in every way, you know, Mm -hmm. through this issue that we're facing, it's important not to react and it's important to listen. It's important to recognize the emotions, not shut them off, so that when the emotions arise, like sadness, like fear, like apprehension, like anxiety, you know, that we are able to recognize those feelings as they come, but then still be in the present moment. You know, if I'm crying hysterically because mm-hmm. of my fear for what I'm going to experience, I might not be there for my husband when he's the one that's really going through this. I'm his, you know, I'm his partner. And so when you found yourself at times crying your head off, how did your practice, sounds like your practice got you, snapped you out of it or, or got you more centered or picked you up from feeling sorry for yourself. Or I'm just putting words in your mouth. How well, did thank it, you for that. It's helpful. Um, going through something difficult gives you something to focus on Mm. if life were perfect and i had no problems and when i sat down to meditate it i think it would might be easier when we have a foil Mm -hmm. when we have something that we're upset about angry about irritated with then those precise feelings are going to arise when we sit to meditate so when those feelings do arise, you know, you recognize them. Say, oh, oh, that's a feeling. Rather than saying that's fear, that's anxiety, that's terror, you know. So when you were crying your eyes out, for example, I keep going back to that. What, like, can you tell us what you did for yourself? Like, wh- like what went through your mind? Like, tell us how meditation worked in that example, if you would. Well, no matter what's going on in life, the meditation practice should be consistent if it's really a practice. If you're a runner, if you're a cyclist, if you're a dancer, if you're a yogi, whatever it is that you do, if you want to remain calm and if you want to stay true to this title that you've given yourself, yogi, meditator, you know, mother, sister, partner, life goes on. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm having a breakdown doesn't mean my kids can't eat. I don't have children, but of course we're going to have to just stop and prepare, you know, food for them or give them whatever it is that they need just because Steve and I are going through this distressing adventure. 
you know, life goes on. Is that what you tell yourself? Like when you're going, you have your feelings, you're feeling sad, probably a bunch of other feelings. And it, is that that, is that what you tell yourself? You know, well, life goes on, get centered, have your feeling, don't focus on it. Yeah, I think the problems occur when we take our own lives a little too preciously. Mm. Because none of us gets out of here alive. True. And in the end, either we're taking care of someone or someone is taking care of us. So we can't really take these things personally, right? That's the key. We can't. Not take anything personally. It's terrible, but... Mm -hmm. Everyone you know has some issue like this. Right. Of course, I'm going to take my life more seriously and more personally, and my husband's life, of course. But this is just all of the, it's part of the process of life on earth. You remind yourself a big picture, it sounds like. Yes. Right. Of course. And even though we're going through this issue, there could be someone else going through an issue just as intense. I mean, not. There is. There are people going through right. issues all the time, just as intense. And so this kind of issue that we're going through, this this uh, this adventure, that's what I keep on liking to call it, this adventure is um, is unique for us, but it's not unique in the, in the big picture. Well, The Course in Miracles, which is the book I actually learn from and teach from, says, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it says um, there is no degree of difficulty. So while you're, you know, going through an adventure uh, and challenge of brain cancer with your husband, somebody else who might be, have their own challenge of, I don't know, um, let's say their boyfriend um, calls them fat or something, you know, it's all, it's all challenging, whatever degree, there's no more or less, it's, it's all pain, it can be painful. So um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So if you, so take it step by step on how we can meditate. Like, again, this is dummy's guide to meditation, watered down. You gave us an overall umbrella. So what's the, what's the first thing we want to do? Number one, got my pen ready. Number one, put down your cell phone. Okay. Put down cell phone. That's an important one. Super. Turn off the brain because you know when you look at a screen, your your mind says, "Oh, be awake, be awake," but you want to like get all electronics away. Okay. There are several different ways to to go about it. We can practice observing. Okay. Okay. This these are th- these are kind of precursors to meditation. Okay. How about this? Driving in silence. Mm-hmm. Cell phone down. Cell phone not reachable. So not in the passenger seat. Just totally put away no radio okay sorry no yeah yeah <laughs> no yeah. music no radio For no sure. iPhone, you know, yeah. no okay so no music no audio driving in silence mm-hmm. okay and we can go along the senses in this way so driving in silence um so that we ap- appreciate listening and appreciating listening can also extend to having conversations with people strangers or loved ones or co-workers. Why do we want to do that? Because it's a way of practicing being mindful. Mm-hmm. Really listening. Just listening. Listening to the silence, listening to nature. 
and listening we, to my cat's bell jingle as she keeps walking and exactly, is bothering me. Exactly. Okay. Practice being mindful. Okay. Okay. And I'm just going down the, the senses. Okay. You know, driving in silence, practicing listening. How about eating mindfully? Not rushing through a meal. When the food arrives, looking at the plate, looking at everything that's on the plate, the colors, the textures. Not looking at your phone. All this is without the phone, mm-hmm. by the way. That's number one. Okay. Okay. Looking at the food when it arrives, and then when you taste it, really enjoying it. And by the way, same thing with drinking. Whatever it is you're drinking, whether it's water or whether it's wine. Same thing with smoking. If you're going to smoke, rather than tell someone, don't smoke, it's bad for you, say, you know what? Why don't you smoke mindfully? Mm. Smoke in silence. Mm. What about that? And smoking mindfully is what? Observing, there's the cigarette, I'm inhaling. I don't know how to smoke, mm-hmm. but I'm just well, guessing. Well, I, let's say, you know, the way the cigarette feels in your fingers, mm-hmm. the way it feels when you inhale, the way it feels when you exhale, you can see the smoke. Mm-hmm. My sister used to say, when she smoked for a brief period in her, you know, young years, that smoking gives us a chance to really blow off steam. Ooh, that's because deep. it's it's visual. Yes. So rather than tell someone you have to stop eating this or you mm-hmm. have to stop drinking this or you have to stop smoking, just say why don't you do it mindfully? Those and are, what's the advantage of that? then you really are concentrating on what you're doing. Mm. You're not using it as a distraction. Ah. You're not using the music as a distraction. You're not using the food as a distraction. You're not using the the whatever you're imbibing or smoking. You're not using that as a distraction. You're in either. the present moment. Trying to be in the present moment. Because one of the things that our constant attachment to our smartphones does is that it removes our appreciation for sensual engagement mm-hmm. we're on the phone we're not noticing that it's a gorgeous sunset mm-hmm. we're not noticing that the moon has just come out from behind the clouds we're, we're not, not noticing how we feel yeah we're not noticing how that how beautiful the the leaves sound when they're rustling in the wind it all this might sound mm-hmm. trite and stupid but when we're so plugged into our phones and we're so our attention is going in so many different ways mm-hmm. we don't have time to do the natural things that our body and our minds are really intended to do and what's the advantage of noticing the leaves rustling or the sun out like some people might say i don't care about that all i care about like what's my bank account doing or do i look cute today these jeans look good to me like what's the advantage in noticing nature it's a good question i think it's enjoyable I think it's about enjoying. Brings you joy. It, the human. Well, it can bring you joy. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's the cigarette or the booze that's going to bring them joy. Okay. And I have spoken to some people, some friends of mine, that when they started smoking mindfully, that's precisely when they realized that they're not really interested in smoking. Mm. I don't want to be judgmental. About no, no, no. Our- Eckhart Tolle once said years ago, I forget... I, I, he was on Oprah talking about the power of now or something. But I remember him saying, if you're going to have a French fry, enjoy the fry. Feel how it feels in your mouth, going down your throat. Like, 
he was talking about eating mindfully instead of judging yourself for having a greasy, fattening fry, just enjoy it. So is that kind of along the lines of what you're saying? Yeah. So that would be, you know, preventing yourself from being judgmental. Of course. I think that that's great advice. I think it's, we all, I think many of us need to slow down. And as I was alluding to earlier, the fact that we're all so attached to our cell phones or our smartphones or our electronic devices, um, more people are realizing that it doesn't feel good to multitask. And if you've ever hosted a a cocktail party or a dinner party or, I don't know, a high tea or something Mm -hmm. like that, and if you're so nervous about how everything looks and how everything is presented... You miss it. Your guests come and go, and you don't even have a conversation with them. Well, that happens at weddings. Thank you. Right? Didn't that happen at your wedding? I don't know. Maybe you didn't have a traditional wedding, but it's it's a big cocktail party, and you're so busy... Making sure everybody's having fun, uh, doing the right thing, being you know, projecting this. Please like me, I guess. I'm trying to please everybody, I guess. That you're not even a, you're not even at your own wedding. So I guess that's the and same you don't thing. have to have had a wedding to have that experience. Just a, a party or any kind of event right. where you're, where you might be nervous, where your attention is splintered, but um, being able to focus on what's happening in that moment helps you enjoy it. Right. And and very interestingly, some people say the body is a temple. Mm-hmm. But I heard Anthony Bourdain say recently that the body is an amusement park and we should enjoy it. So whichever way you look at it, whether you're looking at it like a sacred object mm-hmm. or whether you're looking at it as an amusement park, it, it is about Joy. enjoyment. It doesn't have to be um, defiled. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be... Um, Offensive. It doesn't have to be mundane. Mm-hmm. It should just be enjoyed in a simple way. I mean, otherwise, in in the end, you know, what are we going to look back on? It's true. So these are great, like you say, precursors. And I'll go over them again if you guys are driving or listening while you're on a run. Um, I'll go over them now. Actually, okay. So number one, precursors to meditation. Oh, this is really about mindfulness. Put down your cell phone, Natalie says. Um, number two, practice observing. Uh, drive in silence. It helps you appreciate listening. Uh, practice listening. Um, it helps you also be mindful. Number three, eat mindfully. Uh, not rushed. Ch- taste the food. Enjoy the food. Number four, drink mindfully or smoke mindfully. Um, that way you're not using it as a distraction. You're actually in the moment and it might actually bring you joy or maybe you figure out it doesn't bring you joy. Okay. So those are great mindful tips. And these are tips, if I may say, Mm -hmm. that relate to things that we already do. Right. If you don't drive, I'm not suggesting that you go out and drive silently. Mm -hmm. If you don't drink or you don't smoke, I'm not suggesting that you drink or smoke mindfully. I'm just saying whatever it is that we're doing, Mm -hmm. try to do it mindfully. If you're walking your dog, try to do it mindfully. And then when we go back to our cell phone afterwards, we might feel a little bit more centered. And you'll notice, obviously, you'll notice probably that you didn't miss anything. By driving in silence or by actually listening to something and someone instead of watching your cell phone as they speak, by eating mindfully or, you know, imbibing something mindfully, we are enjoying the moment and we don't miss out on something. At all. Are you kidding me? Sometimes when I drive home in silence, because I feel like, you know, everything is about noise. 
during the day, and I two things happen to me. Well, first of all, my head voice gets louder. Oh my god, it doesn't stop. <laughs> but number two, after it's done, well, it never stops. But after I pay attention to it less, I get more ideas. Like, you know, silence is. How can you get an idea if there's some something constantly yelling at you? So that's a great tip. So. Is there a step one, two, three for meditation that we can do? Yeah. They say that it's best to try it every day around the same time. Okay. And because our day has a tendency to unravel quickly, Mm -hmm. it's best to do it in the morning. When I try to do it in bed, I fall asleep. So can you give us an... Are you sitting up or are you lying down? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think that's the problem. So number one, you said um, try doing it at the same time. Pick the same time every day. And give yourself, if, if you've never done it before and it's new to you, make a realistic goal. Try like three minutes every morning. Five minutes every morning. Let's start with three. Come on, Natalie. Three minutes okay. every morning. So put your timer on. Okay, that would be one use of a cell phone. That right. would be okay. And then put it maybe away from the your bed or wherever you're sitting. Okay, so same time every day, three minutes. Now what do we do? Step choose, one. Choose a comfortable way to sit. Okay. There are some styles that say, yes, you should sit in the lotus position. Some styles say you should sit up uh, without your back touching the chair mm-hmm. so that you are training yourself to be alert. Mm-hmm. But even that, for some people, is intimidating. So how about this? Just sit comfortably. Don't lie down like me. Lying down (laughs) might be a little bit difficult, especially in the morning, because you've just been in that same position for so long. You might tend to fall asleep. So, sit up, so you want to maintain some kind of alertness. So sit how about sitting in a chair is totally fine with your feet on the floor even with your back supported. Why feet on the floor? To give yourself a sensation to focus on. Okay. All right. Number 2. Well, number 1, we've already gone through number 1, same time every day. Number 2, sit comfortably. So I think we're on number 3. Number 3. <laughs> Number three, close the eyes. Number two and number three are interchangeable, okay? (laughs) So close the eyes. And then the next thing to do is just observe your breathing. And if you've never done it before, it might be helpful to get some kind of tactile uh, feedback. So putting your hands on your abdomen or your chest or the rib cage so that you can feel the breath. Okay. And we're talking about using the hands, the arms, you know, covering as much surface area as possible with the hands and the arms, if you, if you need to, to do that, to focus on the breath, just so that we can acknowledge the breath. Not changing the breath, not trying to do any kind of special breathing, just observing the fact that you're breathing. These things sound really simple, but no. when we get ourselves yeah. to this point, that's when we realize that the mind is constantly at work. Okay, so while we're, yeah, I like what you're saying. Yeah, we're observing breathing. Our hands are on our chest. We're acknowledging the breath. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God, Jesus, it's been three minutes. What am I doing? What do I have to do today? Oh, my God, there I am thinking again. God, I can't even meditate. What an <laughs> idiot. Here, you call yourself a life coach. You can't, oh, there's that thought again. Stop doing that. You're judging. I mean, you're judging. Right. So when you have those thoughts. Cause just you, simplify. Just simplify. It's just, a, it's just an exercise of observation. Okay. We're sitting. The hands are, some people will feel the breath in the chest. Some people will feel it in the abdomen. Just put your hands somewhere so that you can feel it. And then you focus on the breath. And this is something that Thich Nhat Hanh talks about in his book, The Miracle of Mindfulness beautiful 
very simply written book that talks about just focusing on the actions of the breathing. As you're inhaling, you say to yourself silently, I'm inhaling. Mm, okay. And then as you're exhaling, same thing. And when the thought comes, you just observe the thought. You just acknowledge the thought. Okay. And then our tendency is going to be to go into the thought. Oh, right. I'm hearing the leaf blowers again. Right. Or Those stupid people. I'm right. you know, hearing right. my dog or right. whoever. I'm super judgy. And so, yeah, that. and then if we have a tendency to judge, you know, what we're trying to practice is just observing. So that over time, if we do it consistently, we train ourselves to pause mm-hmm. before we react. Ah, so if you pause, there's back to the original and, question. And it's the, and it's the practice, Lynn, so it's not going to happen automatically. And right. also, if we judge ourselves, like, oh, I'm thinking again, you know, right. if we judge ourselves and, and call ourselves names, then it's going to be a disservice. Right. And also, sometimes we judge ourselves, we judge ourselves on judging ourselves. Oh, yeah. So it oh, becomes like a meta judgment. Right. You know, you mm-hmm. judge your judgment. Mm-hmm. So um, if we can see this as amusing, I think we're, we're better off. But all we're doing is practicing. So when you hear the leaf blowers, instead of saying, leaf blowers, you know, right, right. getting all mad. You. We, yeah, we just say, oh, sound. You know, go back to the breathing. So some styles uh, of meditation would recommend that we use a, a rarefied breath. You know, like maybe a, like inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth. Or do that style of breath, the ujjayi breathing that a lot of people might be familiar with if they go to uh, Ashtanga yoga classes. What's that? Or it's a it's the kind of breath. You oh, in the you throat. Do, yeah, where you just barely. <laughs> no, just kidding. You're yeah, doing but it's Darth like a, Vader, but it's a good start. But yeah, and oh. when I take yoga at your studio, which by the way is one of my favorite studios ever. Thank you. Um, yeah, a lot of these good, I call them yogis, but people who practice do have that throat breath. Is that the name of it? Uh, Ujjayi, I think it means something like she who is victorious ah. or something like that. It's, it's often translated as the breath of victory. It's just an audible breath. It's rarefied enough so that we notice that we're breathing. What do you mean rarefied? It's something we don't normally do? Yes, yeah, something okay. that's unusual. Ah, so, so we're not in, just in the habit of just... Right, because if we, retru- if we go back to the regular style of breath that we're always doing, that we've been doing our whole lives, we're less likely to notice it. Most of us, in fact, are not aware of the of our breath. Right. Okay. So let's go over the one, two, three, actually turned into four five steps to, um, (laughs) meditation. Okay. So the first step is meditate at the same time every day. Let's start with three minutes. Okay. That's good. Um, number two, sit in a chair with your feet on the floor. Three, close your eyes. I'm going to get in my meditation voice. Four, observe your breathing. Hands on your chest, that might help you to pull in the breath, acknowledge your breath, say, I'm inhaling, I'm exhaling, maybe through the nose, out through the mouth. And when you have thoughts, because you will, because you're human, just observe them. All of this will help you pause, hopefully, before you react. And uh, honestly, I loved all of your mindful tips. Those are even better. Do you guys want me to repeat that? I act like you guys, I have an audience here going, yeah, repeat it. I'm going to repeat it for myself. Um, Eat mindfully. Don't rush. Drink mindfully. Smoke mindfully. That way you're not using it as a distraction. You're just actually having joy in your life. Imagine that. Put down your phone. That would be number one. That would be number one, yeah. (laughs) And focus on your breath. 
Practice driving in silence. Helps you appreciate listening. Helps you be mindful. Okay, I'm going to... I have an intention to meditate every day. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to start with one minute. Okay? 60 seconds is where I'm at. I'm not going to pretend, eh, I'm going to meditate after I've seen Natalie. So I'll let you guys know how it goes. Thank you so much, Natalie. You are the bomb diggity dog. If you want to get in contact with Natalie, you can always check out her yoga studio in Coconut Grove, Florida, Dharma. Oh, my gosh. It is the best. It's on Commodore if you guys are local. And what I love about it is just, um, well, there's always incense. I don't know. I love the wood and the, I don't know, the energy. It's so natural. There's no nobody trying to show anybody up because God knows I can't do anything. Um, <laughs> so Dharma is also on Facebook and Instagram. It's called Dharma Yoga Studio. You can also find Natalie on her website, dharmastudio.com. Everybody do a little chant. Um... <laughs> <laughs> A reminder to everybody, submit your questions on AdviceForLifeWithLynn.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free email. You'll be the first to get my weekly blog on how to live consciously and peacefully. You'll also get access to my free happiness guide when you sign up. Also, I'm looking for guests with different ways that they can help the Advice for Life with Lynn followers. So reach out, maybe if you think you've got something to say and you want to be on the podcast. Lastly, please subscribe and rate my podcast on iTunes. I really care about what you think, so... Tell me how I'm doing. I want your thoughts. The links are in the show notes and also on the website. I want to help as many people as I can with this podcast. So your shares, your subscribes and reviews help us gain visibility in the iTunes store and they help us reach more people. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. And remember, there is nothing we can't talk about.